This is Warren Berger, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, I'm Warren Berger, and uh, I'm an author and uh, a journalist. I've been writing a long time about design and innovation for Wired Magazine, Fast Company, and Harvard Business Review. And I've written a, f- a few books. Um, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book on design and design thinking that was called Glimmer. And uh, while I was working on that book, uh, it kind of led me into my current book. There was a section in, in that book that dealt with questioning and the importance of questioning in the design in the design world and the innovation world. And that led me to my current book, A More Beautiful Question, which I am now... Um, uh, talking about and uh, and trying to spread the word on. Yeah, and uh, so the the folks that have that listen to the podcast regularly, you you all already know why I would have asked somebody like Warren um, on here because you know that this is a subject de- design thinking where it interacts with innovation, but also in strategy and in leadership is a is a huge thing and a huge area of interest for me. It's a it we talk about it for a whole chapter um, in, in my book, and we talk about a lot of other concepts. Um, in relating to that, but one of my favorites is this idea of understanding the question, understanding the problem. Your your title actually, well, so the, the title is a more beautiful question, and you have a great source that you got from that, and it's actually a better and easier way um, to describe a quote that I've always had on my wall. But tell us where this title comes from, first off. Uh, the title comes from the, the poet E.E. E. Cummings, who wrote, always the beautiful answer who asks a more beautiful question. And uh, I, I had already been thinking about doing a book on questioning uh, when, I, when I just sort of stumbled on that, on that line. And I thought, you know, that's, there's my title right there. I don't even have to think about it, which is it's so great because, you know, authors usually just labor over trying to figure out what is the title of my book or what should be the title of my book. And there it was uh, right, right there for me. It, 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 the idea of a more beautiful question fit so well with what I knew the book was going to be about, which is, you know, trying to come up with great questions and the best question and, and, and the most beautiful question you can possibly think of and how that can lead you to, um, to innovation and, and all kinds of good things. Hmm. And uh, so, first of all, yours is a life truly blessed uh, as, a, as an author. I, I think my, the, first, the title of my first book was uh, kind of came to me sort of like that, and I'm working on the proposal for the second one. And thinking up the title is agony. And every other author I've ever see, sought out for advice on how to do it says the exact same thing. Thinking up the title is total agony. So, oh, it's so hard. And, then, and, then if, and if you're not sure about the title, you'll go back and forth. And you'll end up arguing with your publisher and, and there'll be all kinds of stuff. So it's so good when you feel like you've got the title and there's no discussion about it. Totally, totally. So and when I was when I was beginning the book and I, actually when I was um, when I was hearing about the book from a friend of mine and then picking it, picking it up for myself and reading about it. What I loved is that it reminded me of a quote that I have on my wall at my office um, right now. I actually, this is information no one needs to know. I actually don't have posters on my wall. I have four poster-sized whiteboards, and whenever a new quote inspires me, I throw it up there, and then when you know when I get bored of it, I erase it. That's but, a great idea. I love that. <laughs> you're welcome to steal it. You're welcome to steal it. Um, but one of the quotes that's up there right now is from G.K. Chesterton, um, who wrote a bunch of different things. And in one of his fiction pieces, he's there's a character who's complaining about this other group of people. And to be honest, I forget the entire context of the quote. But then he says, you know what it is? It isn't that they don't understand the solution. It's that they don't understand the problem. 
And I think that's really at the heart of um, why design thinking makes such a resonance with me, why I think it, it why I think this book made a resonance with me and, and why a lot of leaders really need to make a resonance with that. I just I just finished um, a couple of weeks ago. I wrote a piece for Forbes on this need for us to appear certain to society, which is ingrained in us somehow. But in reality, what we need is the confidence to ask better questions so that we can better understand the problem. And I, I feel like that's sort of, if I may I- implore the core message of the book on on you, I think I feel like that's really um, why I was so interested in getting you on and getting this idea to spread, because I think it's a vital message. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's kind of at the heart of it is, is the idea that, um, if, and Einstein talked about this, you know, decades ago, that if you're not, if you're not, solving, you know, answering the right question or solving the right problem, you're really going to go down the wrong path. And, you know, and, and so you almost have to start with that and, and pay so much attention to, to the questions you're working on, the problems you're working on. And I think there's a tendency to want to jump right into the answers or the solutions or, or what is our strategy? What, what, what is the process we're going to go through? And not enough time is spent on the front end of you know defining the problem or the question or framing framing it whatever terminology you want to use but not enough time is spent on that front end which is so critical because that's going to determine everything that that follows you know so that's why one of the, the core messages in my book is you know spend time on that spend time on the why questions you know why is this a problem in the first place? You know, why hasn't anyone solved it before? You know, wh- why is it why is it a problem that that I'm uh, suited to work on? You know, these these very very um, basic fundamental questions that oftentimes get passed over very quickly, or they never get asked at all. You know, um, to me, one of the most basic business questions, you know, is is like why. Why does our company exist in the first place? You know, what business are we really in? You know, these kind of profound, fundamental questions that um, that companies and, and business leaders and managers uh, often aren't asking. You know, why are we following this process? You know, we have this work process we use. Why do we do it that way? We've been doing it that way for 15 years. Yeah, okay, but does it make sense now? You know, does it, is it still the best way to do it? So these kind of basic questions for some reason, they're harder for people to ask, or they just get they just get uh, overlooked. Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I I totally agree. One one group though that I feel like is still really good at this. Um. I have I, so I have two kids. I have a two and a half year old, and he's just now getting into the intricacies of language where he is okay being inquisitive, right? right. And kids of all, I have several nieces and nephews who have been through the stage that I'm I as a parent I'm actually sort of loathing, um. But I know it's important. And I'm going to try and figure out a way not to kill him out of this stage, which is right. why I need your help. Uh, he's at that. He's about to hit into that stage where everything is a why. Why do we do that way? Why? Why is this that way? Why is this? Why is the sky blue? Why is? Uh, why do I have to go to school on Monday through Friday? Why do I have to do all these sort of things? I feel like children are uh, amazing at this, and I feel like it's it's proof that this inquisitive ability is something that is in all of us. But somewhere yes. along the line, it gets killed in most of us. What? What? Why is that happening? Yeah, that's that's a part of what I look at in the book. I mean, children are like question machines. You know, it starts somewhere around age two or three. Um, according to a, 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 uh, some research out of Harvard, 
you know, the average kid asks 40,000 questions between ages two and five. And, and the, um, where it really peaks is right around four or five and, and girls even more than boys, surprisingly. Um, you might tend to think for some reason, I, I would tend to expect boys to be asking more questions, but no, it's girls. And uh, one study had, you know, girls asking like 300 questions a day when they're four years old. So it's, um, it's this thing that, that becomes uh, so, sort of peaks. And then all of a sudden, it starts going downhill, which is really weird. You know, it's like, why does it start this, this decline? It starts right around the time kids enter school. And um, so you have to think, well, maybe there's a connection there. You know, there, there, there are other factors that may be involved, too. You know, your brain is going through certain kinds of changes. There's a period when you're, you know, four or five years old where your brain is like a sponge, you know, just trying to absorb everything and making connections all over the place. And so there are certain brain changes that might lead us to ask uh, to cut down on questioning a little bit. But I think uh, the biggest issue is that our, our education system is is designed to sort of squelch questioning. Um, it's, it's a very answers-based education system. So the only reward that is given is for answers. Um, questions are often seen as a distraction. So a teacher may tolerate the questions, but you know, you're kind of slowing things down. The other kids don't want you to ask questions because it drags things out and they, they think it's uncool to be asking questions. So there's, there are all these factors that come into play when we, when we go to school that are sort of signaling to us that questions are not really um, desired, you know? And I think that continues in the workplace. You know, I think that's, uh, that's true in, in most companies as well. You know, there, there's not a whole lot of interest in, um, in employees necessarily asking a lot of questions. Um, it can be seen as a challenge to authority, you know, or it can be seen as a sign of weakness that you don't know something. Well, why don't you know that already? That's your job. You know, so there are all these factors and pressures uh, working against questioning. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 easy to point the finger at, at the education system. And I, I know, I mean, there's been some research by um, Paul Torrance years, decades ago that suggested that creativity as a whole, divergent thinking and inquisitiveness being a part of creativity, drops off somewhere around fourth grade. But let's remember that the, the purpose of education is to build someone who works sort of in, in society. And maybe it's this old industrialized notion of what good workers are, that we're trying to prepare people to be good workers or something. Yeah, I think, but, I think that's definitely a factor. I mean, you know, it, it is a, a factory model um, education system. And it, it was designed to teach people to do tasks and to know their role. And, um, and so that was all well and good, you know, in, in when we were training people to go to work in factories. Um, unfortunately, now, you know, we, we really, well, if, if, we're, if we're trying to prepare and create innovators, um, you know, we have to be teaching and encouraging questioning because that's what innovators do. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's they're questioning everything. And so, you know, I think that there needs to be some way to get that, uh, that model um, uh, changed a little bit so there's room for, uh, for encouraging and teaching more questioning. No, I, I totally agree. But it, it makes me wonder, so, so, I mean, I'm in this situation, you, you were in this situation, but you've gotten way better at it over time, um, where all of us were bred, the inquisitives was sort of learned out of us, as it were. Um, which, which makes me wonder kind of if, if you're in fi fixing the education system is going to be a huge task and one that is totally valiant and worth doing. But in the short term, if we're stuck in that role where we realize that we are a symptom of this, how do, how do we get back on track with this inquisitiveness? We talked about the why this gets sort of moved away from us, but what about the how? How do we bring it back? 
Yeah, well, I think that um, it's the way I, I see it and the way I understand it, talking to people who are good questioners and who, who know a lot about questioning, like I spent a lot of time at this, uh, the Right Question Institute, you know, which is a group that was, you know, formed entirely to study questioning and how, how do you teach it. Um, and what I understand about it is that it's really, um, it's like a habit, okay? It's like a habit of mind. And so we don't so much have to learn it as get into the habit of asking questions. So whatever environment we're talking about, whether it's schools or whether it's a, a corporate workplace, the way you can um, uh, bring about more questioning and better questioning is simply to encourage the habit. If you can find ways to, uh, to allow people to question more and to feel free to question more, um, it, it will start to, um, you know, it will start to increase. Uh, now then, of course, the, you know, the, there are also ways that you can sort of educate people on what's a good question, what's a, what's a better question, how do you improve a question, or how do you take a question and, um, and evolve it and make it better. So, so there's that kind of education that can be done as well. But I think it starts with just giving people the permission and, uh, and sort of the encouragement to question. Uh, one of the things we've seen in schools with the Right Question Institute is that, you know, they have these exercises that they, they, they do with teachers and in classrooms with kids where, you know, you just, all you have to do, it's like you don't have to reinvent the whole education system. You just have to take an hour at some point, maybe once every, once a week or something, or once every couple of weeks, and just dedicate it to questioning and just tell the kids, you know, we're going to have exercises here where all you're going to be expected to do is ask questions. That's the whole goal. That's the whole point. And we're going to help you, you know, as you do that. Once you do that, you really open up, uh, you, suddenly you make it um, a positive thing for kids to ask questions instead of a negative. And all of a sudden they're doing it, they're formulating questions, and that's how they get better at it. So it's, it's not that complicated. You know, it's really about just about giving people the encouragement and permission to question and then once you do that, you know, you can start to work on, you know, skills. Can we can we make people a little better at it? Hmm. No, but I think you're I think you're you're right. And I think it takes really strong teachers. I think it takes really strong leaders because, you know, you you, you honed in on something earlier that most of the time when we give questions in, in business or quote unquote the real world, although, you know, like school to business, real world to fake world, I used to get a, a grade, uh, you know, um, report card. Now I get a performance evaluation. They're pretty much the same thing. The letters change, but the evaluation system doesn't. Um, right. But I think in both cases, you, you you honed in right on it, that either questioning is seen as this sort of sign of weakness or a sign of challenge. And particularly in business, I feel like it takes really strong leadership to accept the fact that there are people's questions, even the deep questions that you were talking about earlier. Why do we exist? Why are we still doing things this way? They're not a challenge to authority. They're an attempt to, to make everybody better by asking these really good questions. Yeah, they are. But you know what they do? The reason people resist those, if they're not, even if they're not a challenge to authority, they're a challenge to our comfort level and our way of doing things. And our, um, they're sort of saying to us, gee, we might have to step back and rethink everything. And people are not comfortable with that a lot of times because they, they, they feel like, gee, you know, I have enough on my plate already. You know, uh, just doing things the way we're doing them is, is keeping me pretty busy. Why would I ever want to think about reinventing everything or, re, you know, reconsidering the way the way we do things, you know, so for a lot of people, that's the negative part of it is the idea that it's uh, questioning forces you to really think and, and to rethink. And a lot of people, um, they're not ready for that. 
No, the, 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 the wheels of the world keep turning on the idea of appearing certain. And the moment that we slow down and stop, the whole thing gets thrown out of whack, right? So Exactly, yeah. And, and people are afraid with questioning, too, that... Um, that it will never end. <laughs> that it's like, uh, you know, like when you have a five-year-old kid asking why, and Louis C.K., the comedian, did a bit on that, where the questions just don't end, right? The whys keep coming and coming and coming. It's, it feels like it's going to lead you, you know, it's going to go till infinity, right? And so I think there's a little bit of a fear like that around questioning in the business world, too. Like, gee, if we start questioning what we're doing and if we, if we start encouraging our employees to question, you know, we could just be paralyzed by it. So that was one of the things I talked about in the book, how, you know, it's not really true. Like, like if you if you approach questioning the right way, it's not paralyzing. It actually can be a very empowering and it can help you to move forward. You know, as long as you're asking questions in a, in a way that's kind of has a forward momentum to it. You know, you're moving from from why questions to and trying to work your way towards more practical how, you know, how are we going to get this done? As long as you're moving in that direction of action you know, then questions aren't paralyzing. They can be very, um, you know, they can be very uh, motivating. Yeah, I wonder if so much of it is just reframing the question not as, an, as a, a, a lack of comfort, I don't know the answer, and that makes me feel uncomfortable, but trying to get people to realize that a good question, a well-structured question, is an invitation to discovery, and that alone is exciting. Yeah, it's, it's an invitation to discovery, and it's, gosh, questions do so many things. You know, when I started to research, I was shocked at how, how powerful they are. But, you know, it's a it's a tool of engagement. You know, there's a there's a something about a question. When you put a question out there, um, people almost can't help being drawn to it and working on it. So it's a wonderful collaborative tool, you know, within a company um, to just sort of have a question that's shared by people. You know, that's why I even said in the, in the book, and this has actually gotten picked up on by a lot of people. I said, yeah, I really think companies ought to have mission question instead of a mission statement because Questions are so much more powerful than statements. Like you put a mission, you, you lay a mission statement on people, they, they're like, they don't care. They're like, wow, okay. So, all right, that's our mission statement, big deal. But, you know, if you could put it to them as a question, you know, how might our organization do this amazing thing that we really want to do? You put it out there as a question or a challenge, all of a sudden that engages people. They're like, yeah, you know, I, I wonder, how would we do that, you know? So I think there's, there are all these... Um, powerful, uh, motivating things that a question does. It's almost like a puzzle. A question is almost like a puzzle. We're drawn to it. We want to work on it. And, uh, and so it's, it's, a really, it's a really powerful tool. Hmm. No, I, I think that's a, a very interesting concept, one that I'm excited by the invitation to discovery that you just issued by asking why we don't have mission questions. Um, the, the book, again, A More Beautiful Question, a, which is a more beautiful title than I think anything else that would have come up. So that was awesome. I want to transition a bit from it to you. I, we've got two questions for you that we ask uh, everybody. Uh, the first being, what are you reading right now? Um, I've been just finishing up uh, Adam Grant's book. I had started it a while ago, and then I got distracted and put it aside, and I'm just finishing it. Adam Grant's book, Give and Take, which I think is um, an amazing book. Um, and the reason it's so amazing is that not only is it really well-written and, you know, interesting, but um, it's a book that changes your perspective. And, and I think it can possibly be changing people's behavior out there, which is really interesting. You know, I've run into a few other people who've read the book. And the book is all about the idea that, you know, if you, if, if you have a more of a giving attitude in your, um, in your business dealings with people and in, and in your relations with people, um, it will end up helping you be more successful. 
and which kind of defies the thinking that, you know, the people who are successful are, are sort of takers, they're manipulators, they're, you know, they're those kind of people. Um, and, you know, what he does such a great job in the book is of showing you all these examples of how um, if, you're, if you're a giver and you do it in a smart way, you know, um, you can actually uh, end up being much more successful. So I love that book and I love the message and the impact. And I've already talked to other people out there who have said, yeah, you know, that book has actually changed the way I interact with other people now. And, um, and I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah, I, I agree. As, as I was saying earlier, your, yours is a book that is an invitation to discovery. Adam's is an invitation to not being a jerk at the office, right, exactly. which is an equally needed uh, invitation exactly. for and, sure. And showing that not being a jerk, a jerk is totally in your self-interest in the end, you know, yeah. if you can do it in a sincere way. So uh, I think it's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful idea. Yeah, for sure. Well, so the the book is out. It's been out for uh, a little bit now. It's, it's by no means fully launched. I, I believe that the message... The core of it still has a long way to go, but an exciting way to go for sure. But it makes me wonder what's next for you. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because usually as a writer, and I, th this may be the case with you too, I don't know, but, you know, I kind of I kind of go deep into a subject, I, I exhaust it somewhat, and then I say, okay, what's, what am I going to move on to? What's my next subject? Um, in this case, with the questioning book, I feel like maybe because it's such a deep, uh, and broad subject, there's so much to you can do with it that I feel like I'm not ready to to leave it yet. And I want to I want to do more with this idea of questioning. I want to figure out. Um, there's kind of two tracks I'm looking at right now. One is an education track, and one is a business track. But in the education track, I'm looking at you know what can I do to work with schools, teachers to sort of get the word out there about questioning or talk to them about, about how questioning might be used. Um, how can I work with this nonprofit group, the Right Question Institute, to kind of spread the word on teaching questioning. And so that's one thing I'm really going to be spending time on. And then the other thing is the business world, just talking to, I'm going around talking to a lot of companies about, you know, how do you use questioning uh, within your company? What are, what are the kind of systems you, you might set up to encourage more questioning? Uh, how do you get to more beautiful questions within within your company, and how do you uh, use that to get to more innovation? So, so that's the business track, and I think I'm going to be just spending a lot of time going out to Silicon Valley next month and just kind of going to a lot of companies out there. I think that's going to be my for the next half a year or whatever. My focus is just going to be, you know, my beautiful question is going to be how might I spread the word on questioning to to more people in the business world and the education world. No, and and that's a that's a worthwhile mission and one that I, I I'll be asking how I can get behind it as well. Those those that have read my book know that I think this is a huge. The idea of understanding the problem of asking a more beautiful question is a huge thing, not just for uh, designers, design thinkers, strategists, for for leaders of all types and people who want to be leaders. I think we need to break out of this this myth that we need to appear certain in all circumstances and realize that the real ability to make an impact comes from asking uh, more beautiful questions and getting more beautiful answers, for sure. Yeah, and I think it's leaders. It's it's really huge thing issue for leaders. I think um, I think that it's on their radar now. They're starting to understand how important questioning is. But it's still a shift. You know, they still have to for a leader to to say it's okay for me to ask questions. That's kind of a shift. You know, because the leaders we always thought of them as the people who have the answers. 
Yeah, yeah, which is uh, you know uh, a different world that we live in. I think there was there was a time when they were, and we needed to get our answers from them. Now the the best leaders aren't the ones who have all the answers; they're the ones who have the best questions. And so, yeah, I think so. And I think part of that is owing to the fact that the world is a lot more complex now. And and you even if you wanted to be the person with all the answers, you can't. It's it's too complicated out there. Totally, totally. So, so Warren, thank you. The, the book again, A More Beautiful Question, The Power of Inquiry to Spark Breakthrough Ideas. Uh, this is a message that I hope launches far beyond uh, anything you were questioning about how far it can it can go. And we'll do a weekend to help us better on our end. So I encourage people to check out the book, check out Warren's uh, work. And if you are, um, if, if you feel like this is a message that that you need to teach either to your yourself, to your business, your kids, please reach out. Warren, where, where can people find you? Um, the best way is through the, the A More Beautiful Question website, which is just amorebeautifulquestion.com. And um, it's a fun website. There's, there's tons of stuff there, tons of content on questioning and why it's important. And, you know, you can take an inquiry, an inquiry quiz to see what kind of questioner you are. But uh, there's stuff about education, about business. And it's, it's a very content-heavy um, site that people could have a lot of fun roaming around. And you can reach me through that by email. Oh, perfect, perfect. And we'll we'll link over to that at uh, at, at our website at davidberkus.com slash podcast or ldrlb.co. Um, either one will get you to the same place so you can get to Warren's uh, place and find out more about him. So Warren, in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us on the Leader Lab. Thanks, David. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Hey everybody, it's David from the Leader Lab Podcast. I just want to thank you for being a part of this community and for listening to this podcast episode. And I want to remind you that you can get even more content from us if you connect with us online. We're at Twitter, twitter.com slash LDRLB, Facebook, facebook.com slash LDRLB. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast in either iTunes or Stitcher, or just subscribe to our email newsletter and we'll email you every single time we post a new episode. Thanks so much for being a part of the community. Look forward to giving you even more great content.